What's up, guys? Welcome to the third installment of the Off the Bench podcast. I am absolutely psyched to have you guys on today. Um, Let's see, it's Monday afternoon while I'm recording, and it is the Monday after week one of the NFL season. We're actually going to be wrapping up tonight here with Monday Night Football. I believe there's two games on tonight, but I am so excited that football is back. Guys, I didn't realize how much I missed it until my eyes were just glued to the TV the entire day. Um, The Seahawks were great. You guys know I'm a big Seahawks fan. I liked watching them. The Chargers got the dub too. I'm a a Chargers fan as well, although less of a Chargers fan than I am a Seahawks fan. But uh, hey, man, that's the way it goes. Yesterday was the first Sunday in a long, long time that I did not have to worry about homework while I was watching the NFL. Um, For the past... I don't know, 10 years, all I can remember is feeling guilty about watching these games while my homework was sitting there unfinished, and so I didn't have to worry about that finally out of school, so that was an amazing feeling. And later on the podcast as well, we have another new guest on the pod. Christian Tom is a longtime friend of mine. We met when we were kids. We played peewees together, won a couple of peewee championships together playing basketball, Um, different football teams in peewees, but I think we sort of settled that when we got to high school and we went to high school together. That's really when our friendship took off, uh, played high school ball together. Christian Tom is a really good friend of mine, really passionate sports fan, really knowledgeable in the game of football. And I can't wait to have him on. He's got some good stuff to talk about later here today. All right, guys, to get us started here, we're going to talk a little bit about the season opener of the NFL. It was last Thursday night. The Texans played the Chiefs, and it wasn't really a great game, honestly. The Chiefs were just way better in every facet. I think they only won by 14, but, I mean, it was kind of a blowout pretty much the entire way. The Texans did have that early touchdown. Um, David Johnson had a heck of a run. But I want to focus here on the ratings of the game. And uh, I think I heard a couple of different facts about the ratings, and these facts can kind of interpret the way that you think about the NFL, and they can help interpret the way that we view that Thursday night opener. Okay, so first fact here is that this year's opener was rated much, much lower as far as the TV ratings go than last year's opener. Okay, so when you hear that, you think negative. You think the NFL is going downhill. Why were the ratings not very good? That's not a good sign for the NFL. That's what you think when you hear this. Okay, that's the first thing you think is that that is not good for the NFL. Okay, but guys, I'm going to give you a second fact that I heard about that opener. This was the highest rating the highest TV rating that a sporting event got since the Super Bowl. Just think about that. Since the Super Bowl, we had opening day of baseball, all those bubble games and huge playoff games, Lakers, Clippers to open the bubble. But this one sort of took the cake. So you hear that fact and that that's different from the one that I just told you beforehand. This fact 
about the TV rating says, oh, well, that's a really good sign. The NFL's in good shape. They're bringing it back. Things are going well. I'm going to try and bring us back to earth here. Not the NFL is doing so great and not the sky is falling. The NFL is losing TV ratings fast. And for me, this reminds me a lot of a topic in education that I learned. But guys, every single class that I ever had in the field of education has at the very least glanced over this topic. I don't know what to call it. Topic, theory, idea. I don't know. But it's an overarching fundamental topic in education. Like I said, every single class, there was not a class that I took in the field of education that did not go over this and speak on this. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Okay, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And for you people who are disinterested, who don't care about education, stick with me for one or two minutes and we're going to get through this, okay? Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs basically states that if students, if children, if kids don't have the basics that they need, they will not be able to learn. There's no shot. And guys, these are very, very basic things that kids need, humans need, okay? These are things like physiological needs, such as food, water, rest, stuff like that. Next on the list, they have psychological needs, okay? And those include intimate relationships, friendships, things like that. Just a sense of belonging that lets these kids know that they belong where they are. Another piece of that is esteem needs. They need prestige, feeling of accomplishment. If they're always down in the dumps, if these kids don't feel like they can accomplish anything, then you're going to have a heck of a time trying to get these kids to learn math, to learn English, to learn social studies. Okay, and the last one on that pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-fulfillment. Okay, the idea that the, these kids are achieving, that these kids are reaching their potential. Okay, that's the last thing. That's the last piece of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you guys get it. From the basic needs level, if a student does not have um, a home, if they are hungry, if they are thirsty, if they are not warm, they will not learn. Okay, nobody will. Because who cares about math when you're hungry? Who cares about English if you haven't had water? Those are your basic needs, okay? This is a basic concept. It's all over the field of education. Okay, so how does that relate to ratings in the NFL? And I'm here to tell you guys. I don't know if you've turned on a news station lately. Most of my listeners probably around the West Coast, so you guys probably know. The West Coast is on fire. Guys, there's smoke in my backyard. People are losing their homes. Entire towns are lost. So you tell me, if your town gets destroyed by a forest fire, are you, are you worried about watching the NFL game? Guys, think about that. Nobody is going to care about the NFL game that is on tonight. Nobody is going to be watching the game if 
you don't even have a home if you don't have those basic things taken care of. Okay, another thing that has happened recently, we had some hurricanes, some giant storms kind of roll through our country in in like three different spots. Hawaii barely just got missed. Thank goodness. That was a terrible hurricane. Um, I'm not sure how hard Texas got hit, but I think that Texas, Louisiana area, they were gearing up for a storm. I don't know if it was last week, the week before. But guys, if you're worried about a hurricane hitting your house, I don't think you're going to be worried about watching the NFL game that's on. And then we have the two big boys. Okay, the two big boys. The presidential election is coming up very shortly. In two, three months time, that is all the entire country is going to be focused on. Football will be put on the back burner. Okay, it's the presidential election. It happens every four years. This happens, guys. Do you want to watch the NFL game? Or do you want to know who is going to be the next president of the United States? These things take precedent over the NFL, guys. These things simply matter more. Guys, people aren't as worried about the NFL game or sports in general when there's a global pandemic. That's a very simple concept that I think a lot of the media just likes to forget. There's a global pandemic. People want the latest news on the coronavirus. People don't care what the score is to the Chiefs-Texans game. Okay, guys, so this is a lot like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. A kid can't learn if he's not warm and if he hasn't been fed. A kid can't learn if he doesn't belong and he feels like he has no friends and he's struggling socially. A child will not be able to learn. It's not going to happen. Guys, similarly, people won't watch the NFL if there's a presidential election going on. If their town is burning to the ground. People won't watch the NFL if... There's a global pandemic going on. Or if people are worried about a raging hurricane heading their way. Guys, these things take priority. You have to have a secure home. You have to have a secure president. You have to not have a global pandemic. You have to have all these things to be able to care about football. And if you don't have those things, then football is on the back burner. It is no longer a priority. Okay, guys, I I have a golden rule that I try my best to follow in the NFL. And that is don't overreact to week one. It's one game. It's the first of the season. There was no preseason, limited offseason. So the product that we just got in week one isn't necessarily the product that we're going to get for the rest of the season. You guys know that. I know that. But yet it's it's still hard not to re- overreact in week one. Okay, guys. For instance, the Vikings played terrible yesterday. I don't think the Vikings are that bad. Okay. I think the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're going to win their division over Green Bay. But they are not that bad. 
the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender. Okay, guys. Just because they lost week one doesn't mean that they're not a Super Bowl contender. Okay, it just means they're injured lately. They had a terrible, terrible mini camp and training camp for injuries, guys. It was bad. And it also means the Cardinals just might be better than we thought and that Kyler Murray's actually pretty good. Okay, guys, so don't overreact to week one in the NFL. With that being said, guys, I can say with a lot of confidence that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a Super Bowl contender. Guys, and this this sort of comes from my opinion dating back to, I don't know, a couple of years now. It's, it's not just week one. And if it was just my opinion week one, then I wouldn't say it because I don't want to overreact. This is coming from what I know about Tom Brady last season and what I know about Tom Brady from the postseason of 2018. Okay, guys. Tampa Bay, I believe, is going to make the playoffs. They won't win their division because New Orleans is too stinking good. Guys, let me bring you back to last season. The excuse for Tom Brady, and there were a lot of them, were were that he just has no weapons. Okay, guys, that's all I could hear on any radio show, any talk show, any sports show, you name it. Tom Brady doesn't have enough weapons. Tom Brady's all out there by himself. He doesn't have anything. Okay, let's let's look at the crew around Tom Brady. Let's look at the weaponless 2019 Patriots, okay? Let's look at them. Maybe the best defense in football. Okay, and I know they're not on the offensive side. It's the defense that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Tom. Oh, but you know what's the best thing that a quarterback can maybe have? Is an amazing defense. Okay, guys, so don't don't get me started on their defense. One of the best in football. I'm guessing the greatest coach of all time might be able to do something positive for your team. Let's look at the offense now. Not the head coach, which is the go head coach. Not the defense, which was one of the best in football. Oh, but his offensive line wasn't very good. Wait, his offensive line was fantastic. They were always good. He's literally never had a bad O-line. And one of the best O-line coaches in the entire NFL. He had him for like 40 years. The Patriots had him for 40 years. Tom Brady had him for his entire career. Amazing O-line. Amazing protection. Oh, yeah. He didn't have much for a running back. Oh, wait. Sony Michelle. High quality. First round pick at running back. Had an amazing 2018 campaign. Yeah, but I mean, they... They didn't have much at running back. Just Sony Michelle. He's only a first-round pick. Um, James White, an amazing receiving threat out of the backfield. Oh, God. yeah, they didn't have anything. Oh, but wait. At receiver, oh, oh. Or did he actually have some receiving weapons? Um, Let's look. Julian Edelman. Okay, and I know this is a joke to some people, but it is a legitimately discussed. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Fame type player? 
I don't think he is personally, but people are talking about it. So let me ask you this. If people are discussing you as a Hall of Famer, worst case scenario, you're pretty stinking good. Okay, but other than Julian Edelman, who did he have? Um, Wait, they traded for Mohamed Sanu? Either at the start of the season or through the year. I can't remember when they traded for him. Second round pick. Traded a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. A legitimate, excuse me, receiver in the NFL. Got him from the Falcons. Second round pick. Oh, but other than Sanu, yeah. Other than than Julian Edelman, who did they have? Um, Let's see, a first round pick at wide receiver. Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry was a bust. No, no. Nikhil Harry was not a bust. Nikhil Harry maybe just didn't fit in this tight little box that Tom Brady asks his receivers to be in. First round pick at wide receiver. Traded a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman. And some people... make an argument that he's a Hall of Fame receiver. One of the top O-lines in football, year after year. Literally the GOAT at head coach. Number one or number two defense in the NFL. And all I can hear on any talk show ever is that Tom Brady doesn't have any weapons. The Patriots aren't doing enough for him. He can't get any help. Guys, at some point, Tom's just not living up to what he used to be. Tom used to make his offense better. Those days are long gone. Okay, guys, we're at the point where if the 2019 Patriots had a different quarterback, then they are legitimately making a Super Bowl run, not getting bounced in the first round. In a terrible division, I might add. Now we're in Tampa. Now we have all the weapons in the world. O-line struggled a little bit last year, but they revamped him. Spent a first-round pick at O-line. I think they maybe picked up another guy, free agent too. Two amazing wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. A high-quality defense. And a coach who's very different from Bill Belichick. Sometimes people think that Bill's rigid and he has no personality and he's too harsh. The opposite can be said about Bruce Arians. After week one, and I'm not just basing this off of week one, I'm basing this off of all what I saw the entire last season. Tom Brady can't get it done anymore, guys. Tom Brady no longer elevates offenses. Okay, in my opinion, he does the opposite. I know New Orleans is a tough game. I didn't expect them to win, honestly. That was not part of this take. It doesn't matter to me that they lost. Tom just doesn't look good anymore, guys. He's no longer this Super Bowl MVP level player. He's probably the GOAT at quarterback. But that's not the point. This is not about what he's put together as an entire career. This is about right now. Are the Bucks a Super Bowl contender? They are not. He hasn't looked good for a long time now. 
the last 20 games or so. He's looked mediocre at best. Tons of overthrown balls. Not very accurate. Two interceptions. I know they say that one was, what's his name, Mike Evans' fault. Okay, and you can make that argument, and maybe it was Mike Evans' fault. But what about the other one? A terrible pick six. Sometimes that play happens, where the cornerback jumps the out route. Receiver maybe just didn't run it deep enough. Great play by the corner, and they just take it back to the house. That's not actually what happened here, guys. The corner didn't actually jump the route. It was just thrown so far behind the receiver that he just threw it right to the corner. It wasn't some outstanding play. He's no longer super accurate, guys. In my opinion, he can't really push the ball downfield to exploit what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can bring to the table. I don't think Tom can really take advantage of that like he used to be able to. Guys, he's just not that player anymore. They should consider looking elsewhere at the end of this season, guys. All right, guys, welcome to the interview portion of the podcast. I got my boy C. Tom on today, Christian Tom. Christian's been a longtime friend. Like I said earlier, we played peewees together growing up, won a couple of chips on the basketball court together. Um, Friendship really took off in high school. We played ball together. Christian's um, really knowledgeable in the field of football and just sports in general, guys. So I can't wait to hear what Christian has to say for us today. Christian, how are you doing? Good, good. How's it going? Good, man. I'm just sitting here. You know how it goes. Monday, watching some football. Monday night football. Yeah, week Tie one. game at half right now. Yeah, week one. We got double-headed today, too. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, so I know Christian's a big Seahawks fan, but, um, man, they were looking nice yesterday. I'm telling you, it started hot. started real hot. started nice. Um, wanted to ask about Jamal Adams. I mean, we gave up. We gave up two first-round picks for Jamal and then, what, like another third or something? And so, and then a player, too. So it's like we gave up a haul for Jamal. He absolutely balled out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, he really showed, especially when we sent out um, Bradley McDougal as well. Um, But, yeah, I think he showed that. I mean, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and whatnot where they're telling we didn't send him enough first-round picks for him. But, man, he played everything. I mean... I think it's, he's going to show his worth real quick, and then obviously we saw that on Sunday. But Yeah, I mean, Jamal, he's, he's nasty. Yeah. That stat line from yesterday was 13 tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, two QB hits, two pass breakups, and a 38-25 to 25 win. The dude's just all over. And, and one other tweet that I saw that was funny, but actually extremely accurate, if you ask me, was he looks like if, if you're playing Madden, it looks like the user player is using Jamal Adams and just freelancing with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that can be a better analogy, to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's a freak. Yeah. Man, he's all over the field, like you're saying. He's covering passes, big pass breakups. I mean, he's making tackles for loss. He came up and ran up on Julio a couple times. I mean, sacks, he's in the backfield. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so just keeping it with the Seahawks a little bit. Seahawks Twitter has just been going crazy all offseason. They started this whole movement that's uh, let Russ cook. And it's just this idea that you got to open up the game a little bit more for Russ and not just run the ball for the first three quarters and ask him to save you in the fourth. 
And I'll tell you what, Russ absolutely went off in this game. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff he came out, he kind of showed us, I mean, the old Russ a little bit, like early first four years in the league. Um, just, I mean, magician again is what it come down to be. Um, a couple of passes are ridiculous. I mean, his touch is phenomenal, obviously. And I think we're getting to the point, like you're saying, that uh, we got to open up the playbook a little bit for him, too, and just let him, you know, do what he does best and just make plays, especially big plays, too. Um, especially him and um, Lockett. It was nice to see him and DK kind of link up again. That's that's really good to see early because, man, if they can keep that going through the rest of the year, it's going to be real tough to cover those two for sure. Russ's stat line ended up being he was 31 for 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns, and uh, he was also the Seahawks' leading rusher with 30 yards on two carries. The, the craziest part to me is he made it look so easy. I didn't know that he was cooking like that until like halfway through the third quarter. I was just looking at the stat line, and I was just like, he only has three or four incompletions, and the dude is just accurate as can be. He was just absolutely cooking. Yeah, and that's what, like you're saying. It was super casual. I thought like it, <clears throat> it was just kind of real quiet, like just racking up stats. And I mean, he was just throwing darts for sure. Well, I even I didn't realize the the rushing stat either. Um, and it kind of mixed in with like Carlos, and then we had um, <clears throat> uh, Carson in there early in the game, and then didn't use him as much towards the end. But I mean, still, yeah, leading the team again, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and I mean Carson, he did have a good game and stuff. Chris Carson's a beast. He did a lot of his damage through the air, catching the ball. So you need to just know how versatile that man is. Um, Christian, you said you saw some sweet play from, from Russ. What yeah, that sprint out right, he come around out of the pocket, and then um, it was kind of that Patrick Mahomes-esque little sidearm throw, um, like a double pump, uh, got the DB to come up, and then, yeah, it's just too smooth. And, I mean, for him, he, like I said, he made it way too casual. Um, if Patty Mahomes would have done that, the internet would have exploded, but since it's Russ, it's just another day on the job. I mean, the man's casual with the way he does it. Yeah, he's looking strong again, too. He's looking quick. He's got quick first steps, so I'm excited. Um, so some of those other games that I took notice of was one of them was the uh, Philadelphia-Washington game. Just to go up 17 nothing early on a dysfunctional organization that's just... This offseason for them, like with the whole name change, scandals with the owner, like you name it, it's been rough for them. This organization is sort of just in shambles right now. And you have the Philadelphia Eagles who go up 17 nothing early and then absolutely just just lose it. Yeah, I mean, you got to shut the door on them. That's what it comes down to. You got to shut the door. Like, And, I mean, for the Washington football team now, um, I mean, what a big win. That's the first one in their history, technically. Yeah, go, yeah. Under the new name. Um, yeah, what a wild – I mean – kind of brings in the question for me is like is Carson Wentz we've seen him kind of you know um with Nick Foles the rumors that like it's just a system and Foles is just a, a gamer and Carson I mean, he gets him there and then to the playoffs can't finish well I mean you got to be able to finish you're up 17-0 you got to finish especially against Washington and I mean they got uh, Dwayne Haskins but he's been kind of back and forth playing not getting a bunch of burn so it's I mean, you just got to beat him. No. You got to do it. That, <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. Like, Dwayne Haskins, is, is anybody sold on him? Nobody was claiming that he is for sure the quarterback of the future or anything like that. And they just absolutely lay an egg, give up 
you know, like 27 straight or something like that. Yeah, especially that, reading the stat line too, Washington ended up coming back with eight sacks in that game. I mean, that, I mean, that goes to show the O-line, you can't be letting your quarterback get touched that many times. That shit, yeah. You're not going to win many games. Yeah, a few other games, obviously full slate of games. Um, the Rams and Cowboys game. And guys, as as a former DB, I, I want to just discuss this pass interference call. To me, that's OPI every day of the week. And I understand why people are upset about it because it happened late in the game. It was a kind of a game-defining call in a lot of ways just because it was right at the end there and the Cowboys had a shot. But that is offensive pass interference in, in my eyes. I, I don't know, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, I mean it's, it's cut and dry, I thought. You know, arm bar, the whole deal. I, I get the hand fighting there back and forth for a minute. But at the end, when if you get a full arm bar and a push off, I mean, full extension, that's flag every time. It should be. And um, I think it's, you get a little bit of the cowboy faithful. Everybody's coming out, you know, the casuals, I think. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that's cut and dry. OPI. Is the Cowboys fan base possibly the most annoying in pro sports? Uh, they got to be top three. I don't know if they're two or three, to be honest. Man, I can't stand them, but... Uh... They're, they're everywhere. That's the issue yeah, too. They're no. everywhere. Then them and the Yankees. Um, I don't know if I like to see anybody else lose more. To be honest. Yeah, they, they are everywhere. Fans. Cowboys fans show up strong in numbers everywhere. Whatever. They kind of start to hide once they head towards that eight and eight mark that they're usually at. But... I mean, and they're supposed to be America's team. They're not my my team. But... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not my American. Me team, neither. But, uh... They the Cowboys. I don't know how, but just year after year, they just seem to underachieve to their talent level. And I don't know if it starts at the top. They always seem to have this talented team, this super talented offense. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I think, I mean, they got uh, Jalen Smith on their defensive side, but I think that's where they've been lacking the most. I mean, year in and year out, they've had, I mean, uh, since DeMarco Murray even, they've had an O-line that's top four top five in the league every single year and i mean they have zeke absolute weapon at a running back <clears throat> but you also i mean when you play a team like la i mean aaron donald was just having a day with that old line and i mean he made <laughs> didn't matter who you put on him who was in front of him two three four guys even at some points it was ridiculous yeah he's so, still getting the quarterback and so, so so aaron donald if you guys don't know is literally the best player in in the nfl Regardless of position, I know everybody highlights the quarterbacks all the time, and for good reason. They're they're the most valuable guys on the team as far as position goes. But guys, Aaron Donald is is an absolute freak. Um, the things he does, he was getting double teamed all night by the Dallas O line, which is one of the better O lines in the league, one of the top O lines in the league. And then Zeke would also come up and try to block him, and he would just get through all of them. I mean, you saw guys sliding down. I saw one guy get hands on him, opposite guard, pushed him in the center, and the other guard, and he took out both the center and the other guard and still got a hit on Dak. So, I mean, it's like it doesn't matter who you throw in front of him. Right now, he's on top of his game. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, you can't beat him. It's real tough. You just got to contain him. That's really what it comes down to. You got to stop the bleeding. You know, it's you got to hope to contain Yeah, him. you got to. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Just moving on. Let's see. Aaron Rodgers, guys, absolutely had a field day on the Vikings defense. And this is very impressive to me 
just given the offseason, what the Packers did with their first-round pick, trading up to go get Jordan Love, it was just kind of the Packers telling Aaron Rodgers that we don't expect you to be very good for very much longer, and you're out the door in two years, maybe three years, if you're lucky. And so for him to just go out and absolutely put a beat down on the Vikings defense, which is a very solid defense, by the way, they were on the road and they absolutely hammered the Vikings defense and, and ended up with a huge win. Yeah, that man is out there slinging it yesterday, man. Um, that one he had, it was like from like 25, 25, 30 yard line, running right towards the sideline, just threw an absolute dot to the back corner of the end zone. Uh, Devontae, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was Devontae on that one. I mean, he found Devontae time and time again. It was all day. It was, I mean, he went for, I mean, Devontae went for 156. So, (laughs) your boy had him on his fantasy team, so I had a good day. Ooh, ooh, you did. Yeah, he went went, went and got me 46 points on my fantasy team. Oh, my gosh, he had like two or three touchdowns too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, and I mean, time and time again, I think Rodgers, uh, he shows he's that guy, and that's why I think he's always got that kind of chip on his shoulder. And, hey, he was a Juco guy, too, so, you know, um, he's always had that kind of chip on his shoulder. And, I mean, coming in, in and out, I think progressive, I've, I've kind of grown to like him a lot more, or a lot, or like as the years have gone by. Um, and everybody, I think everybody's talking about how he's kind of this guy or whatever, kind of like um, cynical or whatnot. People don't get along with him, but I love his competitive attitude, so. I like I like him coming, seeing him come out and um, sling it. So, um, but I did actually like on the defensive side. I saw Christian Kursky came. He came over from um, the the Browns. Released him. Okay. He was a he... he was a starting middle linebacker. Okay. Yeah, I don't know him. And they just kind of cut him dry. And like he was their guy. He was their captain of their defense. They just yeah. Cut him. And like so, everybody's kind of up in arms about that. Like wondering like what was up with them. And so then to see him come and then <clears throat> be their leading tackler on um, Sunday. I was pretty excited for for, that. for the Packers. Yeah, for the Packers. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know. What, do you know why they cut him for the Browns? Uh, they didn't give him much. They just they said they're gonna move forward with somebody else. And I mean, they didn't draft big. With, and he was the one of their first round picks. I mean, four four or five years ago, I'm pretty sure. And so, uh, I like to see him show he still got a lot of juice left. Yeah, so. I like that too. Just a guy who gets cut and come and bounce back real quick. Yeah, it's a little scary for the Seahawks though. With that, de- I mean, Green Bay's defense. It's looking pretty good though. They, they a couple good corners. They look decent. Um, they got they stacked up the middle again with Kursky. They got um, what do you call it? <clears throat> they got Preston. Um, I guess they got the brothers on both ends. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they they, they, they got a be, decent defense. They could definitely be a, a big time contender in the NFC. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. Um, yeah, so moving over to the AFC East, we had that matchup with the Pats and the Dolphins, <laughs> guys. I mean, I'm personally not the biggest Cam Newton fan, but I also can say safely that I love what he did, that performance that you saw from him, just because you saw the league sort of count him out. His own organization that drafted him counted counted him out, and they kind of just cast him aside and said, we're really just done with the whole Cam Newton thing. We're off you. You're a prima donna, all this, all that. We're going to just send you pack in. When you saw the new head coach of the Panthers, Matt Rule, come in, he, he was asked a question about Cam, about whether um, the Panthers see Cam in their future, and he straight up just lied. He was like, yeah, Cam's a big part of this organization. All of a sudden, he comes in, and he's just let go. He's just hung out to dry. He's a free agent. And guys, like I said, I've never really been the biggest Cam Newton fan, 
But just to see him come out for the Patriots and just to say, like, you guys don't know nothing. And he rushed for, like, I don't know, 80 yards or yeah, something. Had, a, had yeah. a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that was big. I think we saw a little bit of that 2015 MVP campaign, Cam Newton again. I mean, his um, passing numbers weren't crazy, but he's still 15 and 19. So every, oh, he was really on the mark a lot. Efficient. Um, 155 yards, but he didn't need to do up much else, to be honest. I mean, when you're running the ball, average of five yards a carry. Yeah, I mean, it might be scary. And I, I saw that video of Cam um, back over the summer when he was working out the gospel music and they were talking about <laughs> Man, he, he said he's going to burn the league down. I mean, I could see it coming, especially with him and Bill. I don't know. I just really don't know how the whole NFL let Bill Belichick get Cam Newton for I mean for free pretty much. Yeah, that I mean, one that one might have backfired. He's signed for like one point one mil or something like that with some incentives. Like it's gonna be I mean, we're probably gonna see a four year extension after this year. That's my hot take right now, but I mean I think I'm excited for Cam actually. I was a big Cam fan <clears throat> when he was coming up. Um I hope to see the you know little Superman Cam coming through. I saw he threw up the Wakanda. When I think, um, I mean, this could be terrifying in my opinion because if you see, like, we've seen what Belichick's done with Brady for years, you know, and the arguments there, that's just the system and whatnot. But now with a completely different athlete in Cam Newton, um, the playbook's just completely open at this point. And there's so much you could do with him. I mean, he could throw the rock across the field or anywhere on the field. Um, he can run it now. There's just so many more options. <clears throat> and I think, and especially with... Um, in the, what do you call it, in their rushing category. I mean, they have Sonny Michelle and Burkhead, but they don't have really a go-to guy at running back. So with Cam in there now, too, you kind of let Cam be Cam and do his thing and kind of keep him under the ropes a little bit. I mean, it could be real scary coming down <laughs> late in the year. Yeah, guys, so just switching gears over to the back to the NFC, um, that it was the game of the week. I heard a stat that it was – the most highly rated um, NFL game in, excuse me, week one game in the past like four years or something like that. It was um, the Bucks and the Saints. And how could it not be honestly with Tom Brady and Drew Brees? They're like one and two in all time passing yards. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they're one and two in, in yards. But guys, I, I mean, you heard my reservations earlier about, about Brady. Um, I'm not sure. What do you have any reservations about Tom and his ability to sort of like take this Tampa Bay offense to the next level? Well, I think it's really gonna come down to what the O line looks like. I mean, I've never been sold on Brady. I mean, he's a winner. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, six rings. That's speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, I think he was blessed to be in a system with Bill Belichick, and I mean, in the genius, the football mind that he is. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, my biggest thing, especially my takeaway from this um, past Sunday, was from the fact that he got sacked three times, which, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but for Brady, I mean, that could be half a season he doesn't get touched that much because that O-line in New England was extremely tough. Yeah, that O-line was top-notch dang near every single year. And so when you get a guy like Brady who is not used to getting hit and he's 43 years old and he gets sacked three times... I, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right, C. Tom. I don't know how much longer he's going to hold up with that type of, right, of right. beating. Yeah, to your point, that's what I was thinking too, is like that longevity is going to be different if you're getting hit all the time. Because, I mean, we're talking about Brady. He said he wants to play a few more years, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, if he gets touched a bunch, it's going to be – I mean, this could be his last year even. I mean, it's a hot take, but it could be, you know. Um, 
it'll be interesting. I'm not, yeah, I'm definitely not sold. I mean, the Saints are good, don't get me wrong, but um, I'm not quite sold on the Brady um, Tampa Bay scenario yet. It'd be interesting once we see um, if he, him and Gronk could real get get going again. It could be dangerous. I mean, he's got all the weapons. That's the thing. He's oh, got plenty he's, of weapons he's now. He's got all the weapons. And so it's a matter if that O line could keep him clean. That's going to be the biggest thing, I think. Um, that defense, they're pretty solid, too. Yeah, that um, defense is solid, guys. And and don't get it twisted. I, you know, they, I know they gave up 34 points or whatever. But, I mean, Tom gave up six of that, seven of that, really, off his pick six. And then, I mean, they were put in bad spots several times with just short fields and, and t- different turnovers and stuff like that. And let's not, let's not forget that this is the Saints offense, which is one of the most dynamic in football. So, so don't see that they gave up 34 points as a team and just think Tampa's defense is not very good. Like, they have actually a very sound defense, very, very solid. Well, I mean, they had Levante David, um, and they drafted up for Vita Vey. The Washington product. Um, I mean, they still have JPP too on the other end. Um, they're top to bottom. They're pretty solid. Even um, on the corners, they're good. But um, I mean, Levante David, he had the most tackles last year in the league. So I mean, that goes to show you he's competing against guys like Bobby Wagner. And um, yeah, so their defense is definitely not pedestrian by any means. Um, so I think this guy started gelling together. And like I said, it's week one, but I'm not on the Brady Tampa Bay bandwagon yet. Yeah, switching it over to the other game that was on the same time, not too many people saw it just because um, that Saints-Bucks game was obviously so hyped and so good that nobody really ended up watching this uh, Cardinals-49ers game a bunch. But guys, if if you have not seen much of Kyler Murray, which there's a good chance you haven't just because last year they weren't really relevant and just this week one game – there was another game on at the same time that was very hotly contested. And so, I, I mean, there's a good chance you haven't seen Kyler Murray play, but you need to get to a TV set, turn on the Red Zone channel, turn on the highlights on YouTube or something, because this this kid is absolutely dynamic for the Cardinals. Like, they have, they have a stud at quarterback. He's only like 5'9 or 5'10. <laughs> He's freakishly small. He looks tiny out there. But the dude's like an energizer bunny. He runs around very accurate. He's he's a beast. Oh yeah, he's a freak athlete. I mean, he's one of those guys. I mean, I mean, we'd be in trouble if he was taller. That's for sure. Oh, but um, be in big trouble. Yeah, I'm saying. But I mean, he went for 91 on the ground. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's just like another running back out there too. But this, he can throw darts. You know what I mean? Um, the boy D Hop went off too. 150. Yeah, guys, DeAndre Hopkins, I was extremely impressed to see that he negotiated his own contract. He got a big-time payday, which is like people don't negotiate their own contracts for a reason, guys. And it's because it's hard. The language is tough. Obviously, all the legalities with it. But just to see him do that himself, that takes a smart, smart guy to be able to do that. And obviously, a freakishly talented guy. He got his big-time contract. And he absolutely went off. He had like 14 receptions or something. Yep, yep. His career high. If you're Bill O'Brien, the head coach of the Houston Texans, and you see the first game DeAndre Hopkins gets out of town and he sets his career high in interceptions, or excuse me, in receptions, like you just got to be kicking yourself if you're him, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing the tweet on um, Thursday night when Houston and the Chiefs played. (laughs) <laughs> and 
uh, after the game, all he put was grateful with a period at the end. That was it. No emojis, nothing. And I was like, oh, no, this man might be going off this weekend. Yeah, this man means business. When he showed up and went from 150, I mean, I've been a big D-Hop fan, too. He's one of uh, my favorite receivers in the league. I mean, how can you not like him, though? But, I mean, the guy, what, he had, like, one drop last year or the year before that? Yeah. Like, ridiculous. Numbers, the dude's got great hands. hands. Insane. And, I mean, that receiving core is looking pretty nice. I mean, I don't I don't know what to think of the game, to be honest, because uh, San Francisco is kind of banged up. Debo wasn't there. Yeah, San Fran um, is banged up. Ayuk wasn't there, their first-round pick, right? But to me, it shows Arizona might be serious. They might be contender this year. I mean... Well, and then uh, on the defensive side, they're pretty solid too. I mean, they you know, are solid. I mean, they, they got they got Chandler Jones is one of the most underrated um, DNs in the league. He's year after year, he's like top tier in sacks, and nobody knows him because he's a Cardinal, and so you just haven't really heard a bunch about this guy. But he is beyond productive. And then they Absolutely. got. Uh, I mean, I think they have some amazing linebackers too, don't Dude, they? Yeah, well, they got they picked up Isaiah Simmons, who is a freak of a human. And he's like 6'4", 240, yeah. like a 4'4". Four, four. That mean, kid out of Clemson. They said, they said he could play safety if he wanted to. And that is a nightmare for the rest of the NFC West, um, the rest of the league. However, they also got, I mean, they got Buda Baker is playing all over the field. I another mean, another UW product. He I got mean, paid this offseason too. Yeah. Got paid big, yeah. But he led the team in tackles again, 15 um, overall. It was ridiculous. Plus, they got um, Pat P still out there. Byron Murphy. I mean, top to bottom, they're stacked. Yeah, guys, do not do not underestimate this Cardinals team. I'm not making some bold prediction that they're going to you know, be some huge contender. I, I do really think with this Cardinals team, though, that they're going to be extremely competitive in maybe the toughest division in football. I, I'm not excited to see the Seahawks have to play them twice, honestly. Like, they are a handful with Kyler at the QB position. He's just going to cause problems no matter where where he goes, what team he's playing. And then we're just talking about that defense. Like, they're loaded on defense, too. So I think they will be right right there at the end of the season, kind of fighting and contending for, for one of those last playoff spots, one of those wild cards. Like you said, to your point, I definitely think like they could be a wild card um, because they're, they'll probably sneak up on some teams, um, especially teams that take them for granted, too, because, like you said, um, both sides of the ball, they're pretty solid right now. I think just if that O-line can kind of gel a little bit more, um, give Kyle a little bit more time, they could be pretty dangerous. Um, and we'll definitely sneak up on some teams, that I definitely think, especially make a good run at that wild card, potentially. Yeah, guys. All right. I mean, that's all we have for today. Um, actually, Christian, do you have any more thoughts or? Um, that's about it. I'm hyped for Joey Burrow, though. I'm excited yeah. to see him run it. So um, honestly, he played pretty pretty dang good for an opening debut. So I think I like to see a lot of the energy. I saw a lot of guys him him and Jamal. I saw Cam running. I mean, it's it's good to have football back. I mean, we yeah. one, baby. It's done. I agree. I didn't know where to make it, but we did it. So. I, I didn't think we were going to make it either. I wasn't quite sold. So to just have it kind of come up and sneak up on us, man, it was it was rewarding. It was so fun to watch and stuff. But uh, Christian, I appreciate you having on, um, having you on. And so, man, I'd love to have you on anytime. Yeah. Definitely hit me up or something and we can, we can make it happen again. But <clears throat> yeah, man, it's been awesome having you on. For sure, brother. Appreciate it. I'm definitely down. Love shooting it. So really appreciate it. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Good stuff.
Alright guys, my off-the-bench MVP for this week is Michael Porter Jr. If you guys have been watching these NBA games at all, then you probably know who he is at this point. I believe he's their sixth, maybe seventh man off the bench for the Denver Nuggets. And he is an absolute scoring threat off the bench for these guys. He'll put up 20-25 a night, just without much of an issue, honestly. He's a rookie classified. I think he was drafted either last year or the year before. Had some injury troubles. But, I mean, if you guys have been watching the broadcast, you guys have been seeing a bunch about Michael Porter Jr., listening to some of the announcers, uh, the things they're saying about him. Guys, they're all true. He's been injured, um, kind of in and out of the lineup for a while, I think. Maybe got some minutes here and there early in the season. But um, he's kind of really just come come to fruition um, in, in this bubble. I think he was on the all-bubble team, too. So, I mean, the dude has just been going off. He took that break with Corona, and he has not looked back since. He's been looking like one of the best players in the NBA. Hit a huge shot and had a huge block in Game 5. Um, an elimination game for the Nuggets. And he showed up huge after some of those comments. Some people were were kind of making fun of him, not really liking the post-game comments that he had after game four. They fell down 3-1, and um, he said a few things. Some people were kind of clowning him on social media and stuff, but he came out in game five and absolutely backed it up. Uh, the dude is a stud, and I cannot wait to watch him develop into... Uh, honestly, it's very possible he turns into a superstar in the league. Um, the dude's legit. 6'10", can handle the ball, shoot the ball. He's He's... A lot like Kevin Durant with his style and obviously his body type too. Just that tall, lanky guy who can shoot it. So, um, again, Michael Porter Jr., he's going to be your off-the-bench MVP. Guys, that about wraps it up for this uh, week three of the podcast. And I want you guys, if you guys have any questions at all about the pod, if you didn't like some of my takes, if you did like some of my takes, hit me up. Hop in the DMs, Instagram or Twitter. Um... You know me, I'm 22 years old, so I'm on those things quite a bit, probably more than I should be. But guys, hit me up. If you guys want to come on the pod, let me know. I got a couple more people kind of in the lineup that I'm thinking about asking to come on. But um, yeah, guys, if you guys want to come on, definitely hit me up. If you guys have any questions or just topics that you want to talk about in the future, I would for sure encourage that. But um, guys, it's been awesome. I appreciate you and uh, have a good one. We'll